Let us pray. In freedom, God, you created us. Create in us now a spirit of freedom that we might live in abundance. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Christ is risen. Y'all did pretty good. Let's try it one more time. Christ is risen. Yes, it is still Easter. And we are Easter people all the time, all year round. And we are still wondering why resurrection faith matters, how it empowers us to live this abundant life that Christ said he came to offer us. When I was a child, I used to spend weeks at a time in the summer at my grandmother and granddaddy Bowles's house in Rockingham, North Carolina. Most of the time, my cousin was there with me and we would play all day long, every day. Mostly we would play pretend games. You know, we'd set up these elaborate scenarios and that each of us would take some sort of role or character. And sometimes, for days at a time, we'd never break character. Everything we did became a part of our play. We didn't take time out for lunch or supper or to go take our bath. It just became part of what our play was about. Mostly we imagined being adults. Because as children who were told what to do all the time, it seemed to us like being an adult would be exciting. You could do whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted. Nobody would ever boss you around, right? <laughs> Plus, all the stuff that adults get to do, it looked like so much fun. Stuff like pumping gas, balancing the checkbook, paying bills, going to the grocery store, having a job, getting paid. We thought that all of that stuff was just fascinating. One year, just after ATMs were invented, we made our very own ATM machines out of shoeboxes had a little slit in the front that you could insert your card into. Then you typed in your super secret code and the little pad that we'd drawn on the outside, which would magically release the lid. So you could reach in and take out your money and retrieve your card. We had jobs. One of us would be the boss and the other one would be the secretary. We always fought over who got to be the secretary. Because if you were the secretary, you got to use that big metal typewriter that my grandmother had. We would spend days imagining what it was going to be like when we grew up and we were free to be exactly who we wanted to be and to do exactly what we wanted to do. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> a little bit ironic, but... For a time, we fully lived what we at least imagined at the time was real freedom. Jürgen Moltmann is a German Reformed theologian, and he says that play is an act of freedom and that it's a means of living into the full realization of God's unfolding kingdom where freedom and justice reign. He also says that play is the core of who we are as those who are created in the image of God. His argument begins with creation. He says that creation is not necessary. 
It can't be necessary because that would imply that God had no choice but to create. And we understand God to be completely and utterly free. So if God doesn't need creation and God isn't compelled to create, it begs the question, why does God create? Why do we exist? What is the meaning of the cosmos? Well, Moltmann says that if creation is a free act, then it's grounded in God's goodwill and pleasure. God creates because it delights God. Therefore, it is the realm in which God displays God's glory. Moltmann concludes that God's free act of creation is God's play. After setting all of that out, Moltmann circles back around because he wants to make a particular distinction. He says that while creation is not necessary, it absolutely is meaningful. He says the same thing about play. He says play isn't necessary, but it's certainly meaningful. It has purpose. Modern research bears this out. There are studies that point to the importance of play. It turns out that uh, play is essential to human development. Dr. Peter Gray is a psychology researcher at Boston College and he believes that play makes children happier, makes them more self-reliant, and it makes them better students for life. He also says that play teaches children social skills, teaches them things like fairness and morality, as well as impulse control and self-regulation, in part because free play allows any participant to quit at any time. So in order to stay in the game, oftentimes you are required to negotiate differences and to see things from the point of view of other players. He arrived at his conclusions in part by observing what happens when children and animals are deprived of play. He found out that when play is limited, both in animals and in people, they tend to be more fearful. They tend to have higher levels of anxiety and depression and other stress disorders. And they have more of a tendency to respond from these states with more acts of aggression. In fact, when studying the life of Charles Whitman, you remember the man who shot and killed 14 people and injured 31 others from the tower on UT's campus? When they studied his life because they wanted to discern if they could figure out any reasons for his behavior, there was a committee of experts that was convened from all types of different fields, fields like toxicology, neurology, neuropathology, sociology, psychology, law enforcement, just to name some of them. Well, you wouldn't think that with a team with backgrounds as diverse as this team had, that they would come to any consensus in their findings. But the committee concluded, after an extensive look and study of his life, that one of the key factors in his homicidal tendencies was the fact that he did not get to play very much when he was growing up. Play was restricted. 
Studies since then also support that conclusion. They've, dis they've discovered that play can actually be a preventative for violence. I don't know about y'all, but when I'm stressed out or when I've gone too long without play or without being playful, hanging out with my friends, laughing, I can feel depressed. I can get anxious. I certainly get irritable. So it makes sense to me. When I'm visiting with my spiritual director and she can sense that I'm just feeling disconnected from God or I'm finding it difficult to pray or I'm experiencing some sort of desolation, she always asks me, Tracy, when is the last time that you played? Moltmann affirms this understanding of play. He says that often when we rest or play, it is for the purpose of restoring and strengthening us for more work. He likens this particular view of play to a pressure valve. When life is too intense, when the responsibilities of life become overly burdensome, play can serve as a release. But he goes on to say that the sort of play that is this gift of God's grace that is truly an act of freedom it's not engaged in for any particular purpose, but rather it's a response to the freedom that we have because of the resurrection. He goes on to say, and I'm going to read this because it's pretty dense. So listen. He says, like the creation, man's games are an expression of freedom and not of caprice. For playing relates to the joy of the creator with their creation and the pleasure of the player with their game. Like creation, games combine sincerity and mirth, suspense and relaxation. The player is wholly absorbed in their game and takes it very seriously, yet at the same time, they transcend themselves and the game because, after all, it's only a game. So the players realizing their freedom without losing it, they get to step outside of themselves without selling themselves. The symbol of the world as God's free creation out of God's good pleasure corresponds to the symbol of humans as the children of God. This is what Jesus meant, Moltmann says, when he turns from his disciples to the children and says, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall never enter it. At the time when Jesus spoke these words, children had absolutely no status. They were not considered persons in their own right. They had no power. They were the most vulnerable in our society. A child at that time was radically dependent upon their father for everything. They were dependent upon their father for any kind of status. If they were even gonna be accepted into the family, it was dependent upon their father's intentions. Certainly if they were gonna inherit anything, it was all up to their father's grace. So, Moltmann extends, if we are to inherit the kingdom of God, we must first realize our utter dependence upon God and God's grace. 
And God's grace, as we understand it, looks like resurrection. It looks like new and transformed life. It looks like freedom from sin, freedom even from death. It looks like abundant life. As children of God, we are free. And as those who are free, when we worship, when we pray, when we praise God, when we serve God, when we relate to God, when we live this life that is given in utter freedom by God's mercy and delight, we do so as an act of play. We play with our Creator. A member of the church responded to the weekly email that I send out on Thursdays. This past week I was talking a little bit about creation as God's play and she really liked that notion. She wrote back and she said, that's a really nice thought that God was having fun when he made us. I like that. It is a nice thought, isn't it? That God was playing and having a most excellent and delightful time when God created us, that God delighted in us even as we came into being. Some people say that creation proves that God has a sense of humor. They often point to the platypus, but I think you could make a fair case just looking at us. What if, as children of God, as those who are utterly dependent upon God's grace to enter the kingdom, we played like children? What if we opened ourselves fully to wonder? What if we opened ourselves to delight and to infinite possibilities? What if we lived fully into the image of God that is buried deep within each and every one of us, the image of a God who is truly free and in freedom plays? I wonder if in our act of free play, we might begin to discover or to realize just a little bit more of God's unfolding kingdom right here, right now, in our present lives. I wonder if we might discover in our play a fullness, a richness of life that often eludes us. I wonder if play might be the key, or at least one very important key to living the audacious faith that we claim when we say on Easter morning that Christ is risen. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for who you are and for who you create us to be. We're so very grateful, God, that you, in delight and joy, created all that is and have planted in us a little piece of you that we might also experience delight and joy in living. We pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would expand our spirits, that we could fully embrace this piece of us 
that more and more of life might begin to feel like play. And in that, we would experience you more deeply. God, we pray that as we offer to you all that we are and all that we have, that in the spirit of play, we would be generous and expansive, hoping that you would bless what we offer, that you'd multiply it, that all people would discover the freedom that they have in you. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Would the usher